Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Welcome, everybody. Uh, My name is Eric Sebastian. I'm our campus pastor over at our McKinney campus and also our lead groups pastor here at the church. Uh, I want to welcome everybody. We're starting a brand new series this week. I want to welcome everybody that's joining us, everybody online, our online campus, everybody over at the Frisco West campus, everybody at our Prosper campus, my home team, everybody in McKinney. Love you guys. I miss y'all today. And everybody here at Frisco East, how are we doing today? Doing good, good, good. Well, man, I'm excited to be here uh, starting a new series, Messy Spirituality. Uh, but before we jump into that, a couple of public service announcements uh, for us here uh, number one, um, you may or may not have already noticed, John's not here today. So, I know, I know. I was as shocked as you were. Uh, John had, uh, so where's John? Uh, John, uh, he had uh, some major uh, dental surgery done earlier in the week, and so he needed to be out this weekend. Uh, but I have it on good authority from a text from him yesterday that he is recovering nicely, and he'll be back next week to finish up the series on Messy Spirituality and, uh, and I already know, some of you guys are already wondering, inquiring minds are wanting to know, what kind of dental work, what kind of surgery did John have? Uh, I told him I wouldn't say anything, and I didn't want to spoil the surprise, but he got platinum grills. Uh, <laughs> it's going to look great. Something about wanting to go from Papa John to Little John, I don't know. I, you know, I don't remember, but uh, it's going to look great. No, I'm kidding about that, obviously. Uh, and, uh, but, but the other thing, the other thing is uh, not just that he's doing well and we'll be back next week, but also this weekend kind of marks um, the start or the ramp up for us as a church leading up to our fall group semester. And we've got all sorts of groups uh, here at the church. And uh, actually, if you, if you go to hopefellowship.net slash groups, you'll see a whole list of groups there. There's uh, care and support groups. There's Bible study groups that meet on-site and off-site, depending on your campus. There's virtual groups. Uh, so groups that are meeting online and all sorts of stuff, great stuff there, home groups and all that. But um, one of the ones I wanna, if you, you can click browse available groups to see the whole catalog there. But I wanted to highlight too with what uh, God is doing in our next generation ministries here at the church, specifically in students and in kids. Uh, And don't you just love being a part of a church, not just a church that has groups, but a church of groups that just the heart of our church is as it continues to get larger, we we also wanna get smaller too, if that makes sense. And and so you can uh, scroll through and you can see these kids groups that we have. uh, And for us, high school, middle school, and even down to elementary age, third, fourth, and fifth grade, there's a group at every campus for, if you're a student or if you have students, there's a group for them. And we're wanting to highlight this because God is doing incredible things in our kids and student ministry. And, and one cool thing in particular with kids groups that happened last semester, and again, so many stories we could share, but um, we had a kid who was, uh, his family regularly attended Hope. And they uh, invited, parents had signed them up for kids groups on Tuesday night. And they invited a friend that didn't go to church. And the friend showed up on Tuesday night and, and came, uh, started attending the, the kids group on Tuesday night. And started really having a good time and was studying the Bible with other kids, third, fourth, and fifth graders. And, and having a good time and hanging out and studying scriptures together. And then he was having such a good time on Tuesday night, said, I, I wanna start attending on the weekends. So he went to his parents, he said, mom and dad, can we start going to church on Sundays at Hope Fellowship? And the parents weren't going anywhere, weren't connected anywhere to the local church. And so they started showing up as well. And then fast forward the tape to now. So this has been months ago. 
now this family is faithfully attending, faithfully showing up every weekend at the church, have taken next steps to get plugged in and involved. We've been able to minister to them as a family. And, and chances are this family probably never shows up to church if they weren't invited by their kid. And the chances are that kid probably never shows up if he wasn't invited by his friend. And, and we're so excited about what God is doing, again, in our kids' groups and in student groups. And, and also, all those things are great. And then if you're a parent and you're looking for a night of free childcare for a couple of nights in the fall on the church's dime, sign up for Hope Fellowship. Go to hopefellowship.net slash groups and find a group there. And this actually is a great segue for us into where we're going today with our message, uh, talking about groups and talking about community. There's this prayer that Jesus prays in John chapter 17. And uh, it's an incredible prayer. And we're gonna take just a couple of verses. It's a long prayer. We're gonna take just a couple of verses out. And he, he starts off by saying this. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. And may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Like we said earlier, we're doing a, a two-week series here, kind of sandwiched right here at, at the end of summertime for most of us and right before the back-to-school season hits. Messy spirituality. And the, the goal of this series really is to help us focus in or perhaps refocus in for some of us on these two core tenets of our faith, loving God and loving others. And in fact, if you were here last week, Pastor John finished up our series on the book of Hebrews and he said you could take all of the book of Hebrews and you could sum it up into two principles and they'd be love God and love others. And John said it last week, and, and Jesus actually says this in the New Testament. He says, you could take all of the Old Testament law, all, all the 600 plus rules and regulations in the Old Testament, and you could sum these things up into two things, and it would be love God and love others. And, and so that's the roadmap for us uh, over the next two weeks with this series. Uh, like we said, John's gonna be back next week, and he's gonna teach on spiritual growth, loving God. And this week, we're gonna talk about Community, loving one another, living in community with one another. And I know that you know, spiritual growth and, and living in community can be messy for us. Why? Because we're messy, right? Newsflash. Not like, we're not talking about your car is messy. Not talking about that. Not talking about you need 37 napkins when you eat chicken wings because it's a mess. Like, we're not talking like that kind of mess. We're saying just our lives at times, we, we are just messy individuals and, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes we would say, it's not just that I'm messy, we would say, I'm a hot mess, right? And this is not the part of the message where you like tap your neighbor and look at them and say, you're a hot mess, don't do that, okay? But we're kinda like the two friends who uh, they hadn't seen each other in a long time and they ended up running into each other and, and the first one was like, oh man, it's, it's been forever since I've seen you, like how, how's life, what's going on, what's new? And the other friend was like, man, it's not going great. My car just broke down. You know, it's not going good. And I don't have the money to fix this. I'm having to walk everywhere. And the friend's like, man, that's terrible news. But hey, look on the bright side. It could be worse. And they kind of go their separate ways. Well, the very next day, they happenstance, they run into each other again. 
And the friend's like, hey, how's it going? How's your car? He's like, man, the car still broke down. I'm still having to walk everywhere. And then it gets worse. My dog just died. It's like, oh man, that's terrible. Your dog just died. Hey, well, look on the bright side. It could be worse. They go their separate ways. And then wouldn't you know it, three days in a row, because I'm telling the joke and this is how it goes. They run into each other three days in a row. They run into each other. Man, how's it going? How's your car? Is your dog still dead? Yeah, my dog's still dead. The car still broke down. But it gets worse. I just had to file for bankruptcy. It's like, oh man, that's terrible. Hey, but look on the bright side. It could be worse. Because you keep saying it could be worse. How could it be any worse than this? And the friend looked at him and he said, it could be a lot worse. All those terrible things that are happening to you, they could be happening to me. It could be a lot worse. And here's the reality for us. Listen, we're all messy. We're all a bit messy and we could all use some help. We could all use some resources. Hopefully we could all use a message that helps us understand and come into alignment with this idea of loving others and living in community with one another. Because here's what we know. I'm not breaking news this weekend with this. We, we know that in this day and age, the ability for us to be connected to one another is like, it takes nothing for us to do that. Like connectivity is easier now than it has ever been in the history of the world. And we can be instantly connected. And you can be instantly connected to your neighbors, instantly connected to your coworkers. You can be instantly connected to someone around the world immediately through text message, through Zoom calls, through the internet. I mean, connectivity is right at our fingertips all the time. And this is fascinating. In light of that, here's what sociologists that are studying the art of human relationships right now and the effects of human relationships right now, here's what they're discovering. That although we are more connected now than we have ever been, right? And with the opportunity to be connected with more people now than we have ever had the opportunity to. And despite the fact that it is easier to find people with shared common interests now than it has ever been, in light of all of that, we feel more isolated and more alone and more unknown now than at any other point in human history. Isn't that fascinating when you actually think about that? That there is this like counterfeit community parading all around us, trying to convince us to, to, to network more and, and to connect more socially, all the while making us feel more and more isolated and more and more alone and less and less known. And if you're a Christ follower today, this reality, it goes a little further for us because we know this to be true, that discipleship is impossible when we are not known. Like growing in our faith, it's very unlikely if we're not going to be known. And we've preached and teached on this for years here at the church. And John's taught countless messages on this. And I've had the opportunity to teach on this in the past. And we've said things in the past like, you know, we've gotta be known by one another. And, and we've said things like circles are better than rows. And, and we show up in a row, but, but relationships and life happens in circles. And we've gotta, we've gotta circle up together. And the reason we say this all the time is because the Bible is undeniably clear on this reality, that if we wanna grow spiritually, We've gotta be known relationally. We can't even argue this with scripture. I mean, scripture is like just like cashed everything in on this principle that if we're gonna be, if we're gonna grow spiritually, we've gotta be known relationally. 
But too often, what happens is we, as the church community, we're becoming known for the wrong things. And it's not that we're not known, we're just not known for the right things. And very rarely is what we are known for actually helping us grow spiritually. And very rarely is what we're becoming known for actually in alignment with loving one another and and living in community with one another. And in fact, most often what ends up happening is these things that are, like we're supposed to be living in community with one another, but what ends up happening is we end up becoming divided over things and disconnected over things. So what do we do with this? Like where do we, where do we go as a church community? Like what's our reaction? What's our response to this? And really maybe a better question for us today is what's the point of loving our neighbors anyway? What's the point of living in community with one another? And I'm so glad you asked at all of our campuses because we come across the answers to these questions in a prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. And in this prayer, y'all, listen, in this prayer, Jesus prays for something for his disciples, but he also prays something for us today. He's praying for you and I in this prayer. And in this prayer, what he prays for is the one thing the one thing that can change not only us, but the world around us. And he highlights why we need to be living in community with one another and why living in community with one another is so vitally important. And he calls us to something that will stifle our ability to be divided with one another. Stifle our ability to be disconnected any longer with one another. And he says in John chapter 17, he gets to this prayer, but I need to set this prayer up for us. Jesus is with his disciples. He's in community. He's in fellowship with his disciples for the very last time before he would be arrested and before he would be tried and before he would be crucified. And he's, he's gathered with his disciples and he's just washed their feet, highlighting for them what a leader in the kingdom of God looks like. A leader is the servant of all. And after he's washed their feet, he's, he's taking communion with them. Number one, illustrating what he's about to walk through, but also reminding and highlighting us of what he endured so that every time we take this bread and every time we take this cup, we remember his death, his sacrifice, our sin atoned for once and for all because of our Savior. He's, he's just broken bread and taken the cup with them. And now he leads his disciples into the garden to pray. And they're gathered in this garden and Jesus is like, does anybody have any prayer requests? Any, he's like, I've got a prayer request. I've got something that I'd like to ask God for. I don't know if you grew up in church or not. I grew up, like, in my church growing up, is everybody had a prayer request and they were all unspoken. Some of you guys who grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. Like we'd be in the small group leader, we'd be in a circle and the small group leader would be like, hey, does anybody have a prayer request? And everybody would be like, oh yeah, 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 I got a prayer request. Well, what is it? It's, I'm going through something really difficult right now in my life. Well, what is it? unspoken that's what it is no one can know about it they're like you're not gonna tell us no I want to know more right Jesus is like this prayer request is not unspoken this prayer request I'm gonna get it out and he gets it out in John chapter 17 uh, verses 20 through 23 and this is we're gonna we're gonna dive back into this verse 20 my prayer is not for them alone them alone meaning the disciples he's just spent several verses praying for his disciples like the 12 with him. He said, I'm, so I'm, I'm done praying for them. Now I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. This is us. 
This is the generation after the disciples who would believe in Jesus and the generation after that generation who would believe in Jesus all the way to us. What a humbling and sobering thought to think that in the final prayer that Jesus would pray to God before he was arrested, before he was tried, before he was crucified, he could have prayed for anything. What does he pray for? He prays for us. He prays for you. And maybe just a quick time out here. Maybe you're unsure about this whole God thing and maybe you're like kicking the tires on what a relationship with Jesus even looks like and is it even worth surrendering my life to Jesus? And, and, and could, this, could this one passage, could this one reality that Jesus in, in, the, in the hardest part of his humanity he could pray about anything. What does he pray for? He prays for us. That Jesus knows you, that Jesus loves you, that Jesus sees you in a world of millions and billions of people. Jesus cares for you. He cares for us. And in the most difficult moment, what does he pray for? He prays for us. What would he pray for us? What is so monumental to Jesus in this moment, that he's like, before I'm arrested, before I'm crucified, God, I've, I've gotta get this request out. What would he pray for us? He would pray this, all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. That all of them would be one. That you and I would walk in unity together This was Jesus's final prayer for us, that above everything else, above our needs and our wants, above our desires and our agendas, right? Above our pride and above our unwillingness at times to confess to being messy, that we would be one. God, would you make them one as you and I are one, that you and I would walk in unity, that we would walk in oneness, oneness with God and oneness with one another. And he's praying this for all believers, from the disciples to now, from rich to poor, from Republican to Democrat to independent, right? For from every family heritage, every background, every race, every, everyone. He's praying this for, that we would walk in unity together. Unity in purpose, unity in love, unity in action with and for one another. That we would be a community of believers who are fully surrendered to God and to God's purpose. Because Jesus knew. He knew in this prayer that if we could walk in unity together, that the world around us would change. That the watching world around us would change. But Jesus also knew that if, if we ever got disconnected, if we ever got, had divisions among us, however you wanna say it, if we ever majored in the minors, if we ever didn't keep the main thing, the main thing, however you wanna say it, if we ever got out of community together, then we would be divided. And his purpose and his plan would stall out. Jesus is praying, frankly, something for us that most of us are not praying for us, if we're being honest. And it's not that what we're praying for is bad things. Most of 
our prayers probably, we're praying for things that are really positive and things that aren't wrong to pray for. We're, we're probably saying prayers for our family and prayers for our jobs and prayer for our, our finances and you know, for our safety and our protection and, and things that it's totally okay for us to be praying for. But when is the last time we have prayed for oneness with one another? When's the last time? Here's a good question for us. When's the last time you were 20 minutes into that phone call with the customer service agent for your cell phone provider? And you were like, dear Jesus, would you make us one on this phone call right now? Would you just unite us together, one heart, one purpose right now? All right, when is the last time you've been driving in your car, going down the road, and you were like, oh, Heavenly Father, would you give me the grace that I need right now to show grace to this idiot in front of me on 380? Right? And when's the last time, I know we're kind of being funny about it, but truly, the truth is, rarely are we praying for unity with one another. And I think how Jesus, how he's wanting us, he's wanting us to see this is this, is that you can't spell unity without you and I. Get it? You and I? Nope. That's okay. I'm resilient. So that one didn't work. We'll try another one. Here, I think what Jesus is trying to say is there is no community without unity. Get it? It's a thinker. Y'all, the McKinney campus isn't even laughing at that joke. They're like, dude, you're embarrassing us. Okay, baseball rules, three strikes, you're out. What Jesus is trying to say is U-N-I-T-Y because Jesus just said so. We just read it. I know, these are awful. These are awful. Okay, so don't take it from me. Don't listen to me here. Let's see what Dr. Tony Evans has to say, all right? Let's take it from him. Here's, let's see what the good doctor says about this passage of scripture. He says, Jesus prayed that all believers would all be one. That is experience unity. Legitimate unity is not uniformity or sameness. Rather, Jesus was talking about being unified in God and his purposes. Saying, Unity doesn't mean we have to all agree on all the same things all the time. And as soon as you and I disagree, boom, blocked. As soon as we disagree, canceled. As soon as we disagree, deleted. He said, we don't have to agree on all the same things all the time. However, and I think it's very important for us to make sure that we're talking about the same thing today when we're talking about loving one another and we're talking about unity with one another. Because it also doesn't mean biblical truth should be compromised for the sake of unity. Jesus is not praying and arguing for oneness and unity at all costs, no matter what. We're looking at this and we're using these words biblically, not culturally here. He said, well, you don't have to all agree on all the same things, but it does mean you have to all be pursuing the same thing. Well, what are we supposed to be pursuing? He tells us in this prayer, we should all be pursuing telling others about the good news of Jesus and then living out God's kingdom agenda. That, that we should be telling people that there's a savior who died for them and that there's a God who loves them and that should be the agenda, no other agendas. This is what we are in unity over. This is the context of our, of our unity. And I think we, we hear this and, and maybe for us we go, this sounds a a bit like Mission Impossible here. Like, is this, is this even, like, can this even happen? And Jesus thinks so. 
In fact, so much that in one of the darkest parts of his humanity, what would he pray for? He would pray for this. He, he thought it was absolutely possible. And in fact, we have proof that it actually happened. And what is our proof? How, how do we have proof that this actually happened? The proof is that you and I are still talking about this today. That you guys, the disciples did it. The disciples did what Jesus is praying that we would do. That they lived in unity together. That they, they lived one purpose to make disciples. One mission, right? right one, one, one purpose to make disciples. One, one message that Jesus is the Son of God. And he's the Messiah. And that trickled down to the generation after them and then to the generation after them and, and all the way to us. We've seen this be possible. Why does this matter so much? Why, if Jesus could be praying about anything, why is he praying for this? And he tells us in the very next verse, in verse 21, that they would be also in us so that, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And this is so great because the reason Jesus is praying for us to be one really doesn't have anything to do with us. But it has everything to do with what he wants to do through us. That those who are not following Jesus would see how we are following Jesus and would want to be following Jesus. Like this is the heart of this prayer. What Jesus is wanting to communicate to us is that our effectiveness is measured by our unity as a church. Our effectiveness is measured by our unity. It's not measured in how similar we are. It's measured in how effective we are despite how different we are. The fact that we're able to love one another even though we're all not like one another. How effective we are at loving God and loving others despite how messy we are at times and how messy our situations and how messy our lives are at times. And Jesus is doubling down on this in his prayer because just a couple of chapters earlier, in John chapter 13, same conversation with his disciples, same gathering with his disciples. He says, I'm gonna wash your feet and show you what leadership is. I'm gonna break bread and, and teach you about communion and I'm also gonna give you a new command. And here's the new command in John chapter 13. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our staying connected when things get messy, our decision to put others first, regardless of our feelings, will show the world the same love that we've been shown. And it's where our words and it's where our beliefs collide with our actions. And he's saying this isn't a, a new suggestion it's not a, a new life hack. And this is a new command. This is a new command for us that as I have, so we must love one another. Why? So that everyone, the watching world around us can know the love of God that we know. And what a responsibility for us, and yet what an incredible opportunity for us 
to be the image bearers of God in our community. And Jesus finishes this prayer up, these last two verses, he he finishes by saying, I have given them the glory that you gave me, meaning I've given them everything that they need for success, all the tools required you have. He's like, this is not an Ikea project. You have everything you need. I'm just joking. I feel like in the spirit of John, I should say, we're just joking and we love Ikea and we have Ikea furniture in our offices at our campuses and all that stuff. So, you know, all that. That they may be one, again, he says it again, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me. He's repeating this again. So that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That we would walk in complete unity of purpose. And that complete unity where where we're seeing us the way God sees us. And that in turn, that we're seeing God the way he's intended to be seen, the way God's meant to be seen as a gracious, loving, heavenly father who cares for us. And that out of these two realities that we would have as a community of believers, a a worldview, a mindset as believers that says there's a God who loves us and there's a savior, Jesus, who died for us. And that that would be what drives our decisions. That would be what inspires us to love one another. That would be what unites us together in spite of the things that separate us. The reality that we are telling a story to the watching world around us and that our unity, it's meant to be seen. Our unity, it's meant to be observed. And our unity, it's meant to be present in every person who bears the name of Jesus Christ. That our unity will tell the world around us a story And Jesus would say, I think the whole point of this would say this, that our unity tells the world around us that God loves them and sent his son Jesus for them. Is our unity telling the world around us that God loves them and sent his son Jesus for them? I think if we're gonna miss this somewhere, if we're gonna get out of alignment somewhere with this, it's gonna be here. Paul David Tripp in his book, Wider Than Snow, he he says this, He says, we weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God and in a loving and humble interdependency with others. John does this all the time, right? This is this way and then this way, right? Our lives were designed to be community projects, yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we have all that we need within ourselves, so we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual, We defend ourselves when the people around us point out a weakness or a wrong. We hold our struggles within, not taking advantage of our resources that God has given us. Simply put, he says, we adopt a lie, a lie from the enemy. The lie of the enemy is that you and I were meant to be independent and self-sufficient. And there's no need for us to have meaningful relationships with one another because all I have all that I need because all I need is me. I don't need you. You don't need me. I've got everything I need right here, and so do you. And so there's no need for relationship. There's no need for community. There's really, it's irrelevant for us in this day and age. 
And when we live out of that lie, when we operate life out of that lie, we become disconnected from God and we become disconnected from one another, which is why, y'all, which is why the enemy works so hard, the way the enemy is working overtime to create disunity among us. Because he knows that if he can get us disconnected, if he can get us disconnected in our homes and with our families, if he can get us disconnected in our marriages and with our kids, if he can get us disconnected with our coworkers and with our friends, or if he can get us disconnected even inside of our churches and amongst believers, typically disconnected over things that we've prioritized over what God has prioritized, if we're being honest, that if he can get us into that place, then the mission and the purpose of God will stall out because as we're disconnecting from one another, we're disconnecting from God because we have all we need right here. I don't need God and I don't need you. We operate out of this lie of the enemy. That's why Jesus is paramount in this prayer. He's saying we have, to, we have to work for unity with one another. We have to fight for unity. My prayer, God, is that they would be one as you and I are one. And we've seen that it's not impossible. The disciples did it. And the generation after them, after them all the, after them all the way to, to us, they stayed united even when the enemy was trying to separate them. It's not impossible. In fact, it's, it's instruction. It's imperative. Jesus didn't suggest this. He didn't say, hey, here's an idea, take it or leave it. He said, here's a command that I'm giving you. As I have loved you, love one another. It's not mission impossible, it's mission critical for us. And so because of that, we should be intentional. We should be intentional about our oneness with one another. Even though we know, wherever campus you're at, wherever you're watching, we know this, isn't, this doesn't always come naturally for us. In relationships and community, it's not always easy to come by. Why? Because we're different. And, and, and I had certain experiences growing up that are different than yours. And, and I've had, you know, I grew up a different way or I've lived life a different way or, or there are things that are gonna separate us. We walk in eyes wide open to that, but also eyes wide open to the bigger picture knowing we're called to serve the Lord in unity so that the love of God is tangibly and powerfully present to the watching world around us. If there's any way that our church community could be unified around these three things, the same purpose, to make disciples. The, the same message that Jesus is the Messiah, son of God, who willingly laid down his life so that we could have a relationship with him. Same purpose, the same message, and if, if we could be unified over the same command, to love one another the same way that Jesus showed his love for us. I mean, if we could be unified around this, then we would see Jesus' prayer answered in John 17, that we would be one as he and the Father are one, and, and as we are experiencing complete unity with one another and with God, that the world around us would know the God that loves them and the Savior that died for them. And that would change the world. But just in case you needed any more proof, you needed any, any more just push to get over the line here to go, why does this really matter and is this really important? Let, let's just go real quick right back to this prayer in John 7, 17 one last time. We find so much in this prayer, but one other thing that we find is 
In this prayer, Jesus says, make them one as we are one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, in community together in the heavens. And his prayer is that we would be one just as they are one. That there would be community here on earth. And that if these communities could collide, if we could be one as as the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one, then the watching world around us could enter into saving relationships, saving grace that comes by way of Jesus Christ. And they would know a God who loves them and a God who is for them, who sent his son Jesus to die for them. If there's any way for these communities to collide, the world would know Jesus. And y'all, this is the story of all of scripture. This is the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, go back to Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And who was present before anything? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit in perfect community in the heavens. And what do they create here on earth? Out of their own image, Adam, and out of Adam, Eve. Because we are not meant to live alone. We are created and designed for relationship. What's the story of the rest of Scripture? God relentlessly seeking out opportunities and ways for relationship with us. That even in the garden, before sin even entered the world, that said that God would come down and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. And then all of a sudden, sin enters the world and and, and it messes everything up. And so God says, I'm gonna create a new plan, a new pathway so that I can have relationship with the nation of Israel. He says, that's not enough. I've gotta be able to have relationship with, with all of humanity. And so I'm gonna send my son, Jesus. And that his death, and his resurrection and his price that he would pay would, would, would create opportunity for this community in the heavens to collide with this community here on earth. That God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever would believe would find eternal life in Jesus. It's been his plan from the very beginning all the way until now that you and I were never meant to go through life alone. And if we can live in unity with one another and love one another the way that God has shown how to love and how to live in unity together, the watching world around us will know the God that we serve. And this is why community matters. And this is why this is so important because we say this all the time here at Hope Fellowship because if people matter to God, then they matter to us. That God would use us, messy us, a community of believers, in community with one another to reach the community around us. Amen? Amen. In just a second, at all our campuses, your pastors are gonna come up and number one, they're gonna give us an opportunity to say, maybe you've not yet surrendered your life to Jesus and maybe today is your day. We're gonna, we wanna pray that with you today. And also just to give you some tangible next steps as we dismiss. But before we do that, I just wanna highlight two things as we close. And kind of some next steps or some takeaways for us today. Number one, our challenge this week, whatever, as you're going about your week, number one, would you pray for unity? 
Jesus prayed it. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Jesus prayed, just this week as you're driving your car, whatever you're doing, pray for unity with God and with others. And secondly, find an opportunity this week for community. We said at the very beginning, we've got all sorts of groups that are launching and getting ready to launch over the next couple of weeks. And you can go to the group's website and check that out. And maybe it's joining a group. Maybe it's going to regeneration. Maybe it's going to re-engage if you're married. Maybe it's starting a group. Starting a group in your neighborhood or, or at work or with some family members. But, but finding an opportunity for community this week. Pray about it. And then let's be about it. Let's pray. God, we love you so much and we thank you for another opportunity that you've given us today to serve you. And, uh, and we pray the same prayer uh, that you pray in John 17, that you would make us one as you are one. And out of our oneness, God, would we see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.